Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, hello, my friends. Hello. How you doing? Welcome to it. Hump Day edition of the Michael Duke Show, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator and around the, the, around the world on the interwebs. Most predominantly at MichaelDukeShow.com, where you'll find links to the audio-only podcast, the uh, <clears throat> the social media sites where we simulcast a radio show, and, of course, the live stream, which is up and available right now. And wherever, you just, just come on out and join us. It's a good day. It's a good day. It's a good day. Almost. Summer's almost over. So, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I don't know. You guys in the chat room will have to tell me here this morning. Is is summer over on September first? Is that the official day? The end, or is it after Labor Day? Is it when first snow hits? I don't know. When when is the official end of summer? Uh, it's got to be pretty close. And uh, as much as I've enjoyed the fact that we haven't had any snow and it's been fairly warm, I kind of wish we'd really had a little bit of a better summer, but I'm not going to complain too much. I'm not going to complain. Again, any day without snow is okay in my book, so here we are getting ready to wind things down for the year. It's, I mean, rapidly approaching. Uh, I was just looking at, uh, you know, we got the big Go Winter Expo in Fairbanks in October, and I realized it's only eight weeks away. <laughs> eight how did that happen, man? How did that happen? It's so quick, so quick. Uh, but anyway, it's uh, it's it's Wednesday, and we've got some guests for you today. Um, Mike Shower had to bow out on us uh, uh, yesterday. Um, he uh, gave me a message. He got some things going on, so we made a few changes to the show this morning, and we'll give you the rundown right now. Coming up in hour two. Um, we're going to have a brief, uh, segment at the beginning of the show where we talk about, uh, uh, we're going to think, discuss some things like the long trail, which is now called the Alaska Traverse and some other things. And then we're going to, uh, uh, then we're going to pick it up with Heath Smith, who is one of the co-sponsors of the, uh, term limit ballot measure, which was just recently rejected by the Lieutenant Governor. Uh, he, uh, he got a chance to listen to my commentary on the show here the other day and reached out to me and <clears throat> I'm glad that we're going to, uh, I'm glad that we're going to get a chance to talk with him here in hour two for a bit. He'll join us at like seven twenty this morning here, uh, and we'll pick things up with him for the remainder of the uh, show. Um, and then, uh, we will, I'm <laughs> just going to say, we're going to talk with the we're going to talk with Sarah Vance here in just a minute. Um, 
who just told me that she's not going to be able to do the video call. So we'll be talking with Sarah Vance via telephone here in just a few moments. Rep Vance will join us uh, in the second segment of this hour, and we'll be talking about the upcoming legislative session and everything else that's everything else that's going on. We'll just see what we'll see what she has to say about uh, a variety of things. I don't know exactly what uh, what our topic's going to be. I know we're probably going to talk a little bit uh, about the um, we're going to talk a little bit about the governor's latest veto, which I don't know if, <clears throat> excuse me, if you've heard about, but the governor is, uh, the governor has vetoed this, this latest piece of, uh, uh, legislation that was put out that was almost unanimously accepted. And people just seem shocked that the governor, um, <clears throat> that the governor is, uh, uh, somehow, I guess, shockingly, moving and uh and and blocking pieces of legislation that the vast majority of legislators has approved like somehow that uh like somehow that i don't know it changes something anyway we're going to we're going to talk about that here this morning and we'll be getting into uh, we'll be getting into a discussion with Sarah Vance here in just a moment and we'll uh we'll get we'll get all of this squared away and uh, and get a get a full feel for what's going to be happening in the legislative session, and uh, and more. So that's all that's all coming up here in just a few minutes. Uh, but first, we do have some headlines, some things I want to talk about. Uh, and this, I mean, it just seems like there's been a lot of, well, not weirdness. That's not a right. That's not the right word. That's not the word that I want to use. But there's been a lot of stuff going on uh, that uh, makes you things that make you go. Hmm, I guess is uh, is what I is what I want to talk about here this morning. So we're going to we're going to discuss that. Plus, weather, the weather, whether the weather is going to affect us. And I'm going to say, yes, 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 it is. So let's get started. Uh, let's get started there. Uh, there's a flood warning in effect. It continues for the Susitna Valley, including the Yentna, Swentna and the Susitna Rivers. Uh, that's going to be going on through today. Water a water level on the Yentna went overbank in many locations, and flooding has been reported. There's also an extensive flood watch that continues for much of the Brooks Range, with rivers and streams that are already swollen. Water levels are going to be critical for residents living on or near streams, rivers, or creeks. There's a flood advisory issued for the Tanana River Valley from Delta Junction to Fairbanks. And that advisory will go through midday tomorrow. There's a large storm as well for our listeners down in the Aleutian chain. Uh, with the remnants of former typhoon Damray, the uh, winds will be high, 40 to 65 miles an hour along the coast uh, through Wednesday and Thursday, and wave height reaching up to 20 feet along the central Aleutians to the southern Bering Sea, with 25 to 40-foot waves in coastal waters south of the eastern Aleutians and the Alaska Peninsula. Um, so lots of rain. And somebody in the chat room just said they were just reporting that it was the warmest summer in 20 years in Fairbanks. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't in Fairbanks this summer, but I know it did get hot down there. But I know you also had it's like, wow, some lots and lots of rain out there as well. 
So some weird weather things happening, but uh, just, you know, FYI, pay close attention to that. And uh, especially on the flooding issue. Oof, just nothing scarier than water that you can't get away from. <clears throat> so that's a, that's a big deal as well. Uh, some of us heard the big boom, felt the big boom the other day, uh, in uh, yesterday, uh, in Talkeetna, an explosion destroyed, I mean, absolutely decimated a food truck in Talkeetna called Talkeetna Taco. Um, it was, uh, <clears throat> about four 30 in the morning when the truck exploded and uh, four nearby businesses and a home, it was literally parked right in the front of a home, were sustained pretty heavy damage. Walls were pushed in on the home. Furniture was actually moved inside the house. Uh, most of the affected businesses lost all of their windows, uh, including the historic Fairview Inn there in, uh, in Talkeetna. And one of them also was, of course, the brewery there, the Talkeetna Brewery. They had a lot of product that was affected by it, a lot of product that was damaged or lost due to the explosion. Now, the good news is that nobody, nobody was hurt. 4.30 in the morning. I, I didn't even know what to say to that. 4.30 in the morning, nobody was in the house and nobody was uh, in the taco truck or anything else. Nobody was injured. And the state fire marshal's office is called to the scene and they're working on what caused the explosion. Uh, doesn't look like there's really any fire or <clears throat> anything else. So, uh, I mean, who knows? Uh, according, I mean, from the pictures, I mean. So it looks like it may have just, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to go with gas leak. I mean, isn't that what the men in black always say? It was a gas leak. I'm, I'm kidding. It's not really a, I wasn't drilling, but, you know, boom, boom, stuff goes on. Uh, and a bit of good news. I thought this was kind of a cool, uh, thing. Now I don't know the details of this, uh, so don't, uh, don't chew me out if this is your pet peeve or something else, but I just, you know, it's nice to see something going on, uh, without direct state, uh, you know, a huge amount of state subsidies. And I hadn't, this article doesn't mention anything about any kind of state subsidies for it. But we'll see. Uh, it's just been over a year since Governor Dunleavy and project leaders broke ground on what is now the largest solar farm in the state of Alaska. The Houston Solar Farm stretches 45 acres off of Hawk Lane near the new Houston High School and is expected to produce enough energy to power approximately 1,400 homes. It's a four-way partnership between MEA, the Matsu Borough, Clean Capital, and a company called Renewable IPP. Construction on the project began last year and was completed this month, according to the uh, MEA uh, spokesperson. And one of the things that they wanted uh, was the desire to diversify sources of energy, especially with all the uncertainty surrounding the Cook Inlet natural gas. I mean, how, how do you diversify if you don't, especially since about 85% of MEA's um, power is coming from natural gas. Um, the CEO <clears throat> also cited that the CEO of IPP renewable IPP also cited that one of the cool things about it, uh, that I, again, this is all news to me. So I just, a fair warning. I don't have any dog in this fight. I don't not really hearing about it is that the solar panels that were installed are called bifacial. 
which means the backsides of the panels are able to capture energy from the sun. So it's a twofer. You get sun directly on the panels, and then you capture also on the back of the panels the sun's rays and reflection off the snow. So you're getting kind of a, a twofer thing, which I thought, anyway, that's a smart, somebody's a smart critter on that. I think that's a, that's a cool idea. Um, especially with the lack of sunlight and the fact that we've got all that reflective power coming back off the snow. That sounds like a pretty, that sounds like a pretty good deal. Um, but anyway, like I said, I really don't know much about the project, but I just thought it was kind of a piece of good news. You know, we got all this stuff going on and this uncertainty and I'm very honest, I'm a little concerned about what's going to be happening with the natural gas, um, uh, you know, production in the, uh, in the cook inlet. And what does it mean? Because I'll, I'll be honest with you. I've been, you know, I've lived in places like Fairbanks where there is not affordable energy. Um, and I often told people, uh, that I met uh, who, you know, asked me how I was doing after moving from Fairbanks down to the Matsu. And I mean, one of the first things that I discovered was that, I mean, my family, we did really well. Um, it was like getting a pay raise because I saved, you know, $5,000 in utilities in the first eight or nine months of just living down here. That was just the first year. It was a significant, uh, a significant leap, uh, in, uh, being able to afford to live. And if, uh, we start losing access to that cheap, affordable energy, uh, it's, you know, it's going to be a problem. So I am concerned about this whole cook inlet gas shortage and what's going to be going on in the future. So I guess I will call this a win. I will call this a win right now. Uh, so anyway, so those are the stories that caught my headline. Uh, the, sorry, the stories that caught my attention, the headlines that caught my attention. And we can continue discussions on that here in just a little bit. Meanwhile, we're coming up here with uh, Rep. Sarah Vance. She's going to be joining us in just a hot second. So, and then we'll have a time for open lines after that. And uh, we get a chance to talk about all those things and see, see what you guys want to say. That's all directly ahead. The Michael Luke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free thing and radio. We return with Rep. Sarah Vance right after this. Regularly heard on American radio. Michael Duke Show. Radio. Okay, uh, look at that. Already, first segment down. I think we have Sarah Vance waiting in the wings. Good morning. Hello, Sarah. Can you hear me? Um. All right, Sarah, I'm going to call you back. Uh, for some reason, it's not picking you up. I have this problem occasionally, so I'm going to call you back here in just a second. Sarah, I'm going to call you back here in just a second. Hold on. Um, so let me try this. Let me try this again. I don't know why. This is high multi-million dollar pieces of equipment. And we can't get it. Uh, and we can't get it going. There we go. Try that right there. Your call has no, been... that that didn't work. 
try that one more time. See if we can get Sarah on the phone. There we go. Actually ringing this time. Hello? Hello. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? I can hear you. Okay. I can hear you. <laughs> Good morning. I know. She's like, she's so mad at me because I asked her to come on so early in the morning. <laughs> Why do you always ask me to come in the first hour? I don't know. It just luck of the draw. You're just lucky like that, you know? Uh-huh. I told my husband, I think Michael hates me. Yeah. I just, you know, I, hey, if I've got to be up, everybody's got to be up. Okay. I'm just saying, I'm just saying right now. Oh, man. All right. So you're on. I'll tell you, I'll let you sip your coffee for a second here. Uh, and uh, while you sip your coffee and get things ready, I'm going to go back up and see what the chat room, um, um, see what the chat room has to say. Okay. Um, going back through, we don't stop until this, this is Alaska. We don't stop until the snow, snow falls, but, uh, same when the first frost hits. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what the, what is the official end of summer to me? It's always like when that first snowfall hits and then it's like, well, that's officially it. That's officially it. Chris says it was almost 80 in Fairbanks yesterday. Yeah, it's just, but it's just been such a weird year. I mean, Rick in the chat room, I know Rick farms hay. I can't say that this has been one of the warmest. I will say it's been one of the wettest summers in, uh, in quite a while. So, um, anyway, propane will do that, said Chris. Blow up stuff. I mean, yeah, you look at the pictures of this thing and it's like, it just blew out from every direction. I can't, I, I'm trying to figure out how that home that was literally 10 feet away is still standing. It was just, whoa, wow. Um, all right. Wonder, what's it? Uh, I'm about to have a stroke trying to hire decent employees, says Jerrica. Yeah, I know. Um, good news is important. Fire Island could use another 40 windmills. Yeah, I mean, pretty sure Renewable IPP is the same company that put the solar panels out in Houston that no one but the city and the borough wanted. Well, um, I mean, all I'm saying is if somebody else wanted to buy up the 45 acres, they could have done it and done whatever they wanted with it. Um, so the big boom, was it a meteor or just a sonic boom or a flop? Yeah, there was another big boom this week. My wife told me about it. She goes, you guys, they says, people said they felt it in Anchorage. She said, told me it was like on Monday. And I'm like, I didn't. Apparently, there was a big boom. Sonic boom is what a lot of people were saying is sonic boom. Um, what is going to keep the snow and ice off the panels so they work? Uh, apparently, there's a plan. I don't know what it is. Uh, I don't know what it is. Uh, but it was I don't think it, that boom was not the truck blowing up. Um, um, the tr It was not the truck blowing up because that happened on Tuesday, and my wife told me about the boom thing on Monday night. So, anyway. Um, Good morning, good morning, good morning. Okay. Did they actually buy the property because the solar panels in Houston are unleashed? Well, you could have leased. That's what I'm saying. I don't, you could buy it. You could lease it. You could do whatever you want. But somebody wanted to do it, and they're going to be generating some power. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I don't have a dog in the fight. But anytime somebody says, well, we don't want that around here. Well, you could have bought the land or leased the land or tied the land up in something else and then not have it happen. One way or the other. Um, all right, we're here. We are 15 seconds out. We're going to continue on the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Like and share, like and follow, do all the things. Let's do it.
Love that sound. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. Huh. Whew. I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. That's right. I'm not your daddy. I mean, my daddy's in the chat room. So, I mean, I can't possibly be all your daddies. It's... Hi, Dad. Uh, welcome back to the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. It's hump day. Ready to go. Representative Sarah Vance is uh, joining us this morning on the program to talk about wood ticks, lunatics, and politics. I mean, all the things you're not supposed to talk about, I guess. And she joins us this morning from an undisclosed secret location where she's desperately trying to drink coffee so that she can... (laughs) So she could feel good and not hate me anymore for asking her to come so early on the show uh, each and every morning. Good morning, Sarah. How are you doing? Good morning, Michael. <laughs> I have no coffee in hand right now. Oh, what? So, That's like, I'm, what the what? That's sacrilegious. Are you kidding me? I I I, I can't be held accountable for what I may not, may or may not say today. <laughs> That is that is nuttier than squirrel poo right there. You've got to you've got to go get yourself some coffee. All right. Um, well, I'm in Anchorage. The, oh, you're in Anchorage, and am, yeah. And I'm I'm staying with a family member, and um, so I'm just like hunkered down in my room with no coffee. That's I, uh, that's very very sad. I'm sorry. I think we should all sing a dirge for you right now because that is nothing worse than being in a quiet room and and awake and having to think and not have some coffee on there. Um, All right. Well, uh, let's uh, chat about it. I didn't get a chance to talk uh, really about it, but I wanted to, um, you know, I wanted to kind of give you just free reign to talk about whatever you kind of wanted to talk about these days uh, here for, uh, for the upcoming session, things that have happened during the interim and everything else. Uh, but we did see this morning that the governor has recently uh, vetoed this um, forever chemical, toxic chemical. I can't remember what they're exactly they're calling it. It was a bill that was aimed at trying to minimize some forever chemicals in the uh, in the state. Um, and the PFOS bill? Yeah, that was the PFOS and the HFC bill. Um, and he vetoed it. And this was a bill that had a lot of support and everybody seems to be gasping and clutching their pearls over the fact that how in the world could a governor possibly veto a bill that all the legislators thought was a good idea. I mean, I can think of a few reasons why I might do it, but, uh, I, you know, I, maybe we can talk about that to begin with and your thoughts on it. And then I'll let you have free reign to kind of talk about, you know, whatever, whatever you, we want to talk about here after that. Okay. So go ahead. That was an interesting bill. Yeah. That was an interesting bill that uh, was by a new member, you know, Representative Stanley Wright, having to do with um, refrigerants, if I remember correctly. And, uh, right, just a simple bill that says, hey, we're going to modernize on uh, as things come along with refrigerants and, and make it safe. But when it comes back from the Senate, they had stuffed in all the PFAS stuff. There was a little uh, line in there that when I read it, as it came back over, I was like, this is interesting. And if you if you look at the voting on there, 
uh, Representative Ben Carpenter opposed that bill. And I had some suspicions on on a, the way that a line was written. And uh, when I asked Representative Carpenter about it, um, he confirmed my suspicion that it may impact the oil and gas industry in a way that um, could have some detrimental impacts. And it's one of those things where, you know, it comes back from the Senate with new information stuffed in there. Do we do we accept it? Do we reject right. it? And the sponsor said, yes, I accept the changes. And, um, you know, it's one of those things, well, how much time do you have to investigate it? At least for me, it was new information. And obviously, Representative Carpenter's like, mm, no. Um, his hunch was, hey, this could have bigger impact. So um, I'm, I'm suspecting, I don't know for certain that that's why the governor vetoed yeah. it, is to say, hey, go take a deeper dive into this. Uh, the Senate may be trying to pull a fast one. I don't know. Well, but that's it, my suspicion. Yeah. So and let me give people some backstory because I'm up to speed and you're up to speed on it. But I was really not following this bill as it came through. To me, it was kind of, well, especially the Stanley Wright component of the bill. It was pretty non-confrontational. Basically, it would right. have, it would have allowed newly constructed buildings in Alaska to move away from hydrofluorocarbons, which are used in air conditioning and refrigerant and things like that, which those are, you know, greenhouse gas, you know, gas things. And so there are alternatives to it. Wright's bill really wouldn't have gone, it wouldn't, it's not banning anything. It's not doing anything else. All it would have done would have allowed Alaska building codes to accommodate alternatives to hydrofluorocarbons, HFCs. So that's pretty that's pretty, you know, just mild. It did all it didn't ban anything. All it said is the codes can now allow you to have different types of refrigerant than the industry standard, which, again, uh, not a not a confrontational bill at, at all. But in the final days of the session, Senator Jesse Keel inserted a separate provision um, which uh, she which uh, Sarah was just mentioning about PFAS, which is polyfluoral alkyls which are substances that are toxic when they enter the drinking, uh, drinking water. PFAS are, they're used with um, firefighting foam, right? They're used inside firefighting foam to stop fires at airports and oil fields and everything else. And so this would have basically um, um, would have banned the use of firefighting foams, except in instances of, federal, um, I, I'm trying to remember the language, but basically uh, where unless we're provided by federal law or in the oil and gas fields or something like that where they could use it, it was prohibiting the use of PFAS containing firefighting substances in all cases except as required by federal law and in the oil and gas industry. Um, so, you know, okay, again, another good sounding bill, except for the fact that it would have eliminated all PFAS in rural communities and villages that already have all this stuff on hand. And there is no non-toxic firefighting alternatives available in the state. Of, I mean, it's available in the world. There are other alternatives, but none of the communities are set up with it. And there's no source for it here in the state of Alaska. And this basically would have outlawed all that stuff. And they would have been scrambling to try and figure out how to get it out to different communities and things like that. So I guess I can understand what the governor is doing here. I hate, I, I got to be honest with you, I hate bills where 
it's, you know, the bill is one thing. And then at the last second, uh, the last minute, the last couple days with really no discussion or no heads up, they insert something that fundamentally changes the flavor of the bill. Something that was definitely non-offensive, you know, just putting this in code that you can use alternatives to, we're banning this substance. Now, not not saying that I want to use the substance, but if you're going to put something out there, you have to at least create a timeline or create something else. Part of it was that the state would have to have an appropriation for many of these smaller communities to replace the PFAS was something non-toxic that they, now the state would be on the hook for a lot of this stuff. So this was not something that was just a simple, we want to protect people. There were money involved. There was last minute, you know, jogging stuff around. There was some, you know, there was a little bit of behind the scenes trickery on some of this stuff, in my opinion, just looking at it from the outside. Sure. The the thing about it is that, you know, the legislatures discussed um, this PFAS and how it's it's so toxic and it's um, especially impacting Fairbanks. And um, there's been an effort to, what do we do? We've got to clean this up. We've got to make changes um, because it's it's really everywhere. And um, I think that's why it got passed. It's like, okay, nobody wants this around. Uh, you know, and it seemed pretty, just the the way it was worded, it didn't seem too controversial right but that's the problem is that uh when things are passed along like that you don't have a lot of information a lot more information to be able to say what are the other impacts that we're not seeing right now in that deeper conversation right Um, you don't have time to discuss the unintended that's the thing about laws and bills especially when they're passed rapidly they're handed out at the last minute or you don't have time to think of the you know to extrapolate what happens if you do this what are the unintended consequences of a bill like that um and that's why i'm always suspicious of anything that is thrown up at the last minute no matter how uh facile it seems no no matter how mild or you know moderate it seems it always worries me when something gets thrown up there at the last minute because you just don't have a chance to really consider the alternatives and what might happen and what it might mean down the road. This is often referred to as doing committee work on the floor. And from the public perspective, people might say, well, that's what you're there to do. Like you have the whole body before you. Why don't you do that? Why don't you just amend things on on the fly? Let everybody have a piece of the conversation. Well, the value of being able to do the committee work is that you can ask a lot more questions. You can invite people, uh, experts in, people who have a lot more knowledge to it. You can you can slow the process down to be able to dig in and investigate and find the truth. When you're doing things on the floor, which is essentially on the fly, except for the person who's bringing it forward, they've had their time to look at it and do some homework. Right. It, it catches everybody off guard, which is pr- precisely why it's often done on the floor rather than through the committee process. And it's unfortunate because it often leaves the people shortchanged. Yeah. I mean, it's frustrating. Again, not that I am in favor of let's all have a big drink of PFAS, right? You know, I'm not I'm not in favor of that, but there's got <laughs> to be, you know, I'm going to add a little PFAS to my coffee this morning. But I mean, it, 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 there's there's got to be more discussion on how to do it without leaving people caught short 
uh, with the ability to protect themselves in, in far as public safety and fire and some other things. Um, uh, and the governor said that was one of the reasons why they that he had uh, denied it is because that there is no. And then he he, he mentioned in the le- in the letter, which I want to talk about here in a minute. But he also mentioned that Stanley Wright's bill. He said, I, you know, reintroduce that. I have no problem with that bill at all. Reintroduce that. So, again, the idea that you can Christmas tree a bill that was, again, not offensive and was going to pass and everything else, and you put something a little bit more controversial or maybe a little bit less thought out on another bill just is not a good way, in my opinion, to govern in in that regard. It, it You know, we, we're supposed to have this one you know, the one subject rule and yet they add to it and somehow tie it together and say, oh, it's all the same subject. I don't know if it really is, but you just killed a good bill because you added this other bill at the very last minute. Again, I just don't think that's a very good way to govern. Yeah, that that um, single subject rule is interpreted very, very, very broadly. And and I guess it it depends on who interprets it, right? I mean, it depends on if leadership is interpreting it one way and somebody on the floor is interpreting it another way. If leadership wants a bill to get through, then I guess single subject is could mean whatever they want it to mean at that point. We always consult um, the attorneys and say, you know, what's allowable, what's not. And um, there was uh, some amendments that we did stop that. Uh, someone was trying to put several bills into as an amendment, and we said, "No, you can't do that. That is that is not the, the same subject. Right. Clearly, can't do it." The interesting part is that the legal, um, dep- our legal um, legislative legal services uh, drafted the amendment for that member, and we're going, "Why in the world did they do that?" Now they may have issued a memo that said this violates the single subject rule, um, but. You know, there are times where we do say, hold on a minute, this is not allowable. So I want I want people to realize that we are thinking about that. We do try to honor that. But there are times that stuff gets through and you're going because it's it is interpreted very, very broadly. And, uh, you know, that's something that that we deal with all the time because people just want to get their stuff through one any way possible. Yeah, absolutely. Representative Sarah Vance is our guest. We're coming up on the break, so we're going to take that real quick. And when we come back, we'll give Sarah a little bit of free reign, what she's been working on, what is she looking forward to here in the upcoming special session, and uh, more. See if we can door dash her some coffee or something. Uh, we'll be uh, we'll be right back. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty-based. Free Thinking Radio, our guest is the very gracious Sarah Vance. We'll return with more right after this. Now you're cooking with gas. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, Sarah Vance is our guest. Um, uh, so, Sarah, I I'm, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I do want to ask about this because this is, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, was quoted in this article was a discussion from Keel, Jesse Keel, about um, the governor declining his request to meet with him before the veto was finalized. 
And then the fact that the governor didn't come out and have a press conference, didn't answer questions. He hasn't really done any of that about any of the vetoes. Instead, basically just offering a memo or a letter or something like that, which in my historical memory is pretty unusual. The governor usually comes forward and discusses and talks about the vetoes that he comes that he's putting back. The governor's been very radio quiet, radio silent. Um, I basically stopped even asking him to come on the program because I get I get nothing from his uh, from his folks. And uh, and, I, and I'm just a little frustrated. And I think a lot of the listeners are frustrated. And people in the chat room can sound off and tell me if they're frustrated, too. But the governor has just been really quiet. He's not been engaging the public. Are you guys getting a chance to talk to him behind the scenes? Are you seeing the same thing that I am? Are you wondering why? Again, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm just trying to get a feel for people who work in this this arena every day. But to me, it just seems like it's awful quiet out there. Well, Michael, I'm not really putting me on the spot. Well, I mean, you know, I, I'm not uh, looking for you to. I'm not looking for you to bash anybody or anything else. I'm just saying it, it just it, it it just appears to me that we're we're not seeing a lot of engagement with the public. Um, no, I I think you're right. Um, you know, I I have very little engagement with the governor, um, but there are other areas of the state and legislators who do engage with him. Um, yesterday, he was up um, doing part of the grand opening of a mine and was up there with interior legislators. Huge. It's more than 600 jobs. This will um, full-time regular jobs. This will create, this is part of our resource development. Very exciting. So he's, he's being very active, um, but I think he's being active in some of the more far-reaching areas of the state. I did see him on the Kenai last week. He was at the Kenai Classic um, that he attends every year. You know, um, there was a lot of engagement there. I believe he goes fishing, um, takes, you know, First Lady Rose. That's one of the the opportunities that they can use just to just have some downtime and connect and have a good time. Right. Uh, so, you know, I he is um, doing his job out in the public. It's just not as um, as propped up on media platforms as maybe you and I would like to see. Right. Uh, but he is out engaging with people. But I, you know, he's he's not the guy that um, is is just going to be in love with the camera and the media. You know, he he's he's a regular guy that would prefer to not do that. So I think that's probably what we're we're seeing. If if you were to ask for my analysis. Yeah, no, I mean, look, and I understand. I mean, maybe it's a little selfish of me because obviously as a as a creator, as a as a show host, I'm always looking for content, right? I'm always looking for guests to who are interesting, who can bring in subjects and and I always want to do it. And I guess what bothers me, and this is again, this is me, not Sarah. I'm not trying to put Sarah on the spot here, but uh, you know, when the governor had agreed and promised uh, to come on the program every six to eight weeks to talk about things, and that this is a typical, this is not unusual for a politician to agree to that, and then later on, kind of fade off into the woodwork, right? Uh, we, I've had, I've had other governors and other. Uh, elected officials do kind of the similar thing where it happens for a while and then they just ghost me for the rest of the time. So it's not like it's just I, I'm not just offended or but I think that here you have a positive platform that would be supportive of your message. 
and you could come out and you could engage. You could, you know, lay out your plans. You could have a, I mean, I'm a friendly host. I'm not a gotcha guy. I don't, uh, I don't attack people, uh, you know, when they're on the program and, and, you know, throw them under the bus or, or get, you know, give them that gotcha question. I just don't understand why you wouldn't avail yourself of that opportunity to engage with really what is the core of his voter base. Uh, I would assume that my sure. listeners are probably the core of his voter base. Why wouldn't you engage at least there or do what you would? I mean, I was really excited when he first started doing like the Facebook lives where he skipped the regular media and said, because he was like, these guys are spinning everything that I'm saying. And he did that for a short period of time as well. But that was a great way to engage with the public. And uh, and I yeah. just, I'm just not seeing that anymore. Maybe it's um, just a matter of reaching out to his press secretary and saying, hey, invitation's still open just in case you forgot about me because you know how you get um busy doing all the things yeah well uh, like i said i've kind of stopped doing that because i was getting a whole lot of radio and i was having to jig i was having to go around 15 people to finally get somebody to nudge a tree to make it happen but anyway uh like i said maybe that's just more of a personal pet peeve than anything else but uh all right sarah well we're about to rejoin here we're gonna come at and uh we'll uh We'll we'll see what you want to talk about. How about that? Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share. Here we go. All right, welcome back to the program. We are continuing now with Representative Sarah Vance, rep from down in Homer for District 6, I believe, is the new district number. I'm just going to take me two years to learn the new district number before they redistrict again. Uh, anyway, uh, Representative Vance is with us. We were just talking about uh, some more of the governor's vetoes um, and what that means. And during the break, we were talking about the governor's uh, uh, visibility and exposure and things like that. But I also wanted to talk with Sarah about what she's been doing during the interim and that, you know, we're I mean, we're only a handful of weeks away, really, from the restart here. We're about, uh, what, 15 weeks away from getting ready to, to jump back into the session, which I'm sure she's really looking forward to. But uh, let's uh, let's just get a feel for what she's been doing and what she's working on in the interim and what she's looking forward to at the beginning of session. Sarah, give it lay it out for us here. What's going on? Good morning. That's kind of like saying, wow, you're only 15 weeks away from your next dentist appointment. I, you know, I know. Well, you know, when you start breaking it down, it's like yesterday, I realized I I work, we do this big, uh, we do this big go winter show in Fairbanks uh, in October. And, you know, the whole time I'm thinking, oh, that's months away. It's fine. I got this. I got that. And then yesterday I came to the realization that it is eight weeks away. And I'm like, eight weeks. And as you get, I hate to tell you this, Sarah, but as you get older, and I know you're, you're super young but as you get older those things click by faster than mile markers in a maserati you know what i mean it's like all of a sudden it was that was five weeks ago i mean oh that was three i mean you know my birthday was three weeks ago it was just yesterday it's you know kind of thing so eight weeks is not long but 15 weeks is really it'll be by in a flash and you'll be ready to hop back on an airplane and get isolated and go back down there to the bubble of juno um and uh so i know you've been working on some stuff you've been thinking about things what are we looking forward to here um, in the upcoming session 
what have you been working on in the meanwhile to try and get things set right for the uh, for the next batch of work you're about to do? Well, there's so many things. I've been I've been busier than I've ever been, and uh, you know, there's there's so many things that I'm gonna have to say. Okay, um, what bills and legislation do I just need to let stay on simmer, and which ones do I really need to focus on to to hopefully see passage? And um, as you know, that with this the makeup of the Senate, it's a big challenge. So, you know, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Is what a what is it that I need to focus on that may even have a shot at passing and, and just trying to get bills in, com- in the committees that I chair in order because there's some really good stuff, a lot of heavy duty things, um, both in judiciary and in fisheries. Right. And, um, you know, what is it that we need to be dealing with uh, that hasn't yet and um, that's my problem is that I, well, I want to tr- help people. Yeah, you're trying to triage things, right? Because you know, even though the majority in the House is, you know, you're part of the majority in the House, you know you're going to be facing some opposition from the majority in the Senate. So you may have, you know, half a dozen excellent bills, but because of the give and take and the push and pull, you may only get one or two. Now you've got to decide which bill affects, helps the most people, right? I mean, that, that's part of the problem. Right. And, you know, I mean, we have some really great legislation, but then the Senate's like, no, we don't want to do that. Uh, We, you know, we have some great senators. I want to say that. However, uh, it's pretty discouraging when right out of the gate, they're like, no, we're not interested in repealing ranked choice voting. Excuse me? Well, I'm still going to move my bill because uh, that's what the people of my district told me to do. Uh, So that's one of the things that um, I was working on during session this last year and watching the movement of um, the current ballot initiative, but saying, I still have a, my responsibility to the people who said, we want you to get rid of ranked choice voting and um, trying to to make sure that I'm providing that due diligence, even though there's the people's initiative out there. Um, you know, it's better to have as many irons in the fire going, you know, to see what's, what's possible because, um, the winds could change and we have more favor in the legislature. You just never know. Uh, so that's just one example of, do I, do I really keep moving forward with that put energy to that? Or do I just let it simmer? Um, it's, it's, it's not, not everything is, you know, laid out and simple. So what are the what are the things that I mean, again, speaking of kind of triaging it, what are the things that you would love to I mean, if, you know, queen for a day, here are the five or six pieces of legislation that you think would make a difference in the lives of Alaskans would make things better. Um, You know, what are the things that you're trying to decide to move forward? Are there are there bills that you can share with us or ideas that you can share with us that you would like to see? Maybe not in this session, but maybe in the next couple sessions that uh, if if the you know, if the power structure changes, so to speak, what would be the things that Sarah Vance would want to see come through her committees or go out on the floor? Well, the very first thing um, that I've been working on, it's been very close to my heart, is um, the human trafficking, the crime against human trafficking bill. It's actually the governor's bill, and it is currently in House finance. 
and it took longer to get out of judiciary out of my committee than I had planned. I tell you a lot of back and forth with um, the legal division and drafting and really what um, we felt we wanted to include in, into that robust bill. Um, that one I really want to see moved because it strengthens the crime, crimes against traffickers. It um, provides justice for victims of trafficking and then um, adds an element of education to teach your kids about gaslighting, safe online practices, things like that. So that one still has a lot of um, process to go through, but I tell you what, that one is impacting Alaskans more than we realize. And um, I've been working this summer to really get the word out on um, how that's impacting us, how to how to spot trafficking. Um, this summer, I, I bought out the, the showing in Homer of the Sound of Freedom. Right. Huge success, huge success. I've had so many people say, what can I do to help? What does it even look like? So on September 28th at uh, the Kenai Peninsula College there in Homer, I'm in, I've invited Prices Alaska to come down and offer a, a safety and training class, how to spot trafficking, how to help our youth um, spot predators and, and just engage safely online in what we can do to end trafficking. Um, it's impacting our kids and we don't even realize it. That's why uh, that's my number one thing. And I have a lot of other ideas on other legislation besides uh, the one that's currently in the works. But that has the governor offered that bill, I think, my very first term, and it's never received good traction. And I'd, after five years, I'd really like to see some movement on that kind of justice type of thing that shouldn't be partisan. Right. I mean, to me, that should not be a partisan issue if you'd like to protect children and, and other vulnerables from human trafficking. I, you know, as long as, again, we're not looking at government overreach in, in, in other things, I would not see that to be, again, a, a very non-offensive type bill. Why wouldn't we want to engage with it? I've um, I've heard some positive things. You know, uh, Senator Jesse Keel uh, must be the senator of the day. Uh, he is on the uh, governor's council for sex and human trafficking, and um, he wants that bill to pass. You know, he he believes that it has uh, potential of passing. Just the finer details, that's always you know up for debate. But um, I'm hopeful. There are a lot of other incredible bills in my committees that I'm really hoping to see passage. Um, one was introduced by Representative Mike Cronk that is a fisheries rehabilitation bill. Uh, we moved it out of House Fisheries. Uh, it was previously introduced by uh, Representative um, Dave Tallarico, uh, my first term. And what it does is allows um, people to seek a permit from fishing game that can do rehabilitation directly in the river of a specific species of salmon, for instance, so that we can help help the natural um, restocking of our streams because the fishery is suffering everywhere. But there are projects that people could do in certain areas of the river to help kind of jumpstart the stock again. And um, this has been requested for quite some time. 
It's finally getting support. I've been hearing people on the peninsula talk about it favorably in the fishery where previously it was opposed. There was a lot of uncertainty. That one is going to be exciting and um, just kind of put put things back into the hands of the people. Uh, so it's a bright spot. Um, I have a, a good feeling about that one being passed next year. Good, good. Um, you know, we have uh, we have things like judicial reform. I would love to see passed. Representative Rauscher and Senator Schauer have the judicial reform bills that, um, again, brings more accountability. Uh, that one has a lot of work to do. Do I think it's going to pass this next session? Probably not. But he asked me, <laughs> what would I like to see? Yeah, right? no, exactly. That's what it was all about. Um, all right. Well, we're coming up at the break. I don't want to hold you on over here. The best news about this. Sarah Vance, thank you so much for coming on board and sharing a bit with us. We appreciate you being part of it. Uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Enjoy what's left of summer here. Thank you for being with us. Hold the line for just a second. Folks, we're out of time. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. I mean, that it, it just the time goes so fast there at the end. Um, but, uh, yeah, is there anything else you, I was going to, what I, I wanted to get to a question of asking you, you know, what do you, what are your words of exhortation for people who are, I'm, I'm talking to more and more people who are like, just so frustrated with kind of the whole process. They're kind of frustrated with everything and whether it's caused by, I don't know, rank choice voting or what, I mean, whatever the issue is, or just the partisan politics, the divide, the mainstream divisiveness. Um, a lot of people are just kind of throwing their hands up and walking off in the pucker brush and be like, screw this, I'm not going to do this anymore. What is your exhortation to those people, um, you know, for the coming for the coming year? What 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 you know, what is your words of of, uh, of wisdom for folks who have decided that they think they should just basically walk away and not participate anymore because it just doesn't matter in the long run? My exhortation is don't give up. It is precisely that um, that passion, that energy that's causing you to be so frustrated at the process because you want you want things to be right that will motivate you to do positive change. Um, but you you can't give up in the process. Um, you know, if everything was fine, then you wouldn't be paying attention. You wouldn't have that same energy of frustration. And and what I'm saying is is if you were to give up now, that causes um, your opposition to win. And the opposition I think that all of us are against is, is essentially evil. Um, we are fighting a global cabal of evil. It's no longer Republican versus Democrat. It's good versus evil. We can see that in every area. And we simply can't give up. I would not have gotten engaged in government if I was satisfied. It was when I finally got to that place of, I'm not going to, I'm so mad about this. I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm going to say something. I'm going to get involved. And, and that's why I'm here speaking for the people. So we can't give up because that's precisely that, that would cause 
the opposition to win. Right. We have to keep going because it's working. It's you, absolutely working. You just used a phrase that I think is is important to adjust. And as a libertarian, I've really never had a dog in the fight of which party versus that, you know, this party versus that party. But I think you just made a very valid point that this is no longer Republican versus Democrat. Now, you termed it as good versus evil. I would soften that a little bit and say we're now facing a cabal. I mean, I, I would not disagree that there's a – well, maybe a global movement would be more in, you know, a softer way of saying it. But there's a global movement of basically more government versus less government. You know, government as the answer to every problem versus, you know, getting government out of the way to allow people to, you know, solve a lot of their own problems. And I think that's what we're facing at every level. And in the state, it's pretty you know, blatant here that you've got basically people who have ours next to their names who are fighting with each other and treating each other poorly and everything else. But essentially, it all boils down to people who are very much pro big government bigger government versus people who are very much pro lesser more efficient minimalistic government and i think that's what we're facing on a worldwide scale um and we've had now you know four or five generations of people indoctrinated in the public schools where they've been told every day that the answer to any problem is government uh, not, not at the end of your own hand, not at the, not at the person in the mirror, that the answer to the problem is government. And we're reaping that quote unquote reward, uh, right now. Uh, but I think, I think you're hundred percent right. I mean, it, it, it is more of a bigger, more invasive, more influential, more in your life, everyday government versus get out of my way. Let me do my thing. I'm not if as long as I'm not hurting anybody, taking anybody's stuff, violating their rights, let me do what I want to do, let me find my own solutions. That's really the struggle that we're in right now. It very much is. I've worked with some great Democrats and I've worked with some pretty stinky Republicans. So it doesn't <laughs> the labels just don't matter anymore. Right. Um and and really, you know, it is about more or less government, but um we we like to say that there are people who are using government as the tool against us. When government was designed to be good, it was designed to bring justice, to punish the wrongdoers, and reward the good. And it's not being used that way anymore. It's become political. When government was designed to be for us, by us, right? Um, but when when we do not use our personal res individual responsibility to govern ourselves, then we can have tyrants come in who do that for us. Yeah. And when we start thinking about it differently, that we are the ones, it's just like, I was thinking about it before uh, the phone, before get, coming on the show is um, there's so much fear out there uh, in the what if, and we feel like we, we were losing control, but it's just like Dorothy always had the red shoes on her feet all along. She held the power herself. But she just didn't know it. Just didn't know it's the it. Same with us. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's uh, it's very frustrating. We have the power, but again, part of this is the indoctrination of the children of new generations. This whole ideology of somehow government is the answer to everything, and I mean, it just there's so many different pieces and parts in this. But I guess you're right. Don't grow weary in well doing. That's the that's the exhortation. Don't give up, even when it's hard, even when it's painful. 
Um, <clears throat> the best news about not having any coffee, sir, is now that you can drift back off for a little nap before you have to get up. So there you go. I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming on board and I'm sorry for breaking your morning. I mean, yeah, I just, <laughs> I feel bad even texting you anymore just to make sure. Cause I know it's always going to be the six o'clock hour. It seems like next time I'll get well, you on. I do at have... huh? Okay. I have legislative budget and audit committee meeting today in Anchorage. So Pay attention. Pay attention. Well, let me know. Let me know what it looks like in the uh, in the end. Uh, if you get anything new, let me know. Sarah Vance, okay. our guest, thank you so much for coming on board. It's always good to talk to you. Thank you for being part of it today. Thanks, Michael. All right, folks. We got more coming up. Hour two, dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Let's do it. Buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome to the uh, program. It is, uh, it's Wednesday, hump day, middle of the week. We just finished up with Representative Sarah Vance and we are ready to, uh, we're ready to uh, rock and roll. And uh, continue on. Coming up in this hour, we've got um, we have got uh, Heath Smith is going to be joining us in the next segment. Heath is uh, one of the co-sponsors of the term limits ballot measure that was just um, denied by the lieutenant governor. Uh, it was just uh, disallowed. Uh, for a variety of reasons, mostly because um, the uh, lieutenant governor said that it would be unconstitutional to try and put that in there. Uh, I had some analysis and some commentary on this earlier in the week, uh, and Heath uh, reached out to me and said uh, that while I was partially right, he wanted to get, get some more information on here, and then maybe we could talk about where we go from here uh, with that. Because I, for one, would very much like to see some kind of term limits go into uh, go into our legislative uh, system. Um, I mean, I think the players that are in there right now, <clears throat> that we have right now, um, the ones that are pulling the levers of power, the ones that are calling the shots, the the leadership positions, most of those people have been in there for years. 
years and years and years. In fact, I think Gary Stevens has been in there cumulatively now almost 26 years or something. It's um it's it's going to be a it it's a significant it's a significant problem. Um and if we can't fix it through citizens uh, citizens initiative, how are we going to, you know, how how are we going to do how are we going to do it? It's going to be it's going to be crazy. Um, all right. Uh, so, but anyway, so Heath uh, Smith is going to come on board and talk with us here in the, uh, in the next segment and we'll get, uh, we'll get some rundown. We'll get some backstory from him on everything that uh, took place and where we go from here. In the meanwhile, I've got some things that I want to talk about. I just, uh, somebody in the chat room just mentioned something and this is a total sidebar. This is just something that came up over the top of the hour break. Um, <clears throat> we were talking about government overreach and things like that. And somebody just mentioned that Jason's Donuts, which used to be in Fairbanks, uh, was a store in Fairbanks, uh, and they made the decision to move down to the South Central area. They moved in and they opened up a store in Eagle River. Um, they just mentioned somebody just mentioned that uh, government regulation caused him to close his shop, and I was like, "What? I I was there like last week, talking to them about advertising and some other stuff, and I didn't know the and and sure enough, there's a post up on their Facebook page right now saying that they're temporarily closed due to municipal requirements from the city of Anchorage. <clears throat> they're working diligently to comply." Uh, and to continue to serve you the best donuts in town. I just don't know what, you know, gotta love the government dipping their fingers where we don't want them, says somebody in the comment section. I don't know exactly which, which, um, uh, which regulation they're, they're violating for the city of Anchorage. Um, but, uh, We'll see what happens. Uh, they basically are saying they have to p- meet a few requirements and then have the state come and inspect the shop and they'll be reopening. So they're going to be reopening. But again, just another one of those instances of, uh, you know, government uh, throwing the throw, <laughs> throwing the small business under the bus to make uh, to make everything work. I just it was it was shocking to me. Anyway, I wanted to just throw that out there and and uh, and uh, say something about that. But here's my topic for this morning uh, in this segment. By the way, I, d- I suppose I should tell you, I did open the phone line. So if you have something you want to talk about, uh, feel free to give us a ring right now. Phone lines are open at 433-3150-433-3150. Uh, love to hear what you guys have to say uh, about anything this morning, whatever uh, Representative Van said or something else. But here's something that just keeps coming back again and again and again. And... It's a bit of a pet peeve, um, but I I just I want to talk about it because I see what's happening, and this goes back to our discussion. We were just talking with Sarah Vance over the top of the hour about the the philosophy, the clash of philosophies. You know, I mean, we're being divided in this country, but in so many ways. You know, the the perpetrated and continued and perpetuated by the news media and by politicians. You know, whether it's the left versus right dichotomy, Republicans versus Democrats. And I personally think that it all breaks down to um, it really doesn't matter what label you put on yourself. I mean, we have in fact, Sarah said during the top of the hour, she goes, I've worked with some really good, nice Democrats and I've worked with some really stinky Republicans. Right. It, it, it's, it's like the label doesn't matter anymore. So because I think 
What it really boils down to is a difference in philosophy. And what we are facing right now is we're facing a philosophy in this country uh, and really around the world. I mean, I think you're seeing this kind of play out around the world is a philosophy of more, bigger, better, quote unquote, more invasive government in every aspect of our lives. People who support that idea versus people who just want to have smaller, more limited government that just want to be left alone to do what they can do, you know, as long as they're not hurting anybody, as long as they're doing their own thing, not violating anybody's rights, they should just just be left alone. I mean, that is the that's the old joke about libertarians, right? Libertarians trying to take over the world and let you do what you want kind of thing. And I'm not talking about chaos or anarchy. I'm talking about having the limited government of basically just have, you know, uh, a a judicial system that enforces contractual, you know, uh, agreements and and deals with criminals and and a national defense that protects us from uh, foreign enemies, foreign and domestic. And that's pretty much it. All these other departments uh, that, you know, we don't necessarily need. I mean, that's an ideal, you know, for many libertarians, that's an ideal world. But instead, what we're facing is a philosophy of government is the answer to every solution. That if we want something or if we support something, then somehow we should get government to pay for it, which means you and me, by the way, that we should get government. We should use the force of government to pay for it. And case in point on this is this long trail, the Alaska long trail, which we've talked about here in the past on the program. This is a idea that they want to create a four, uh, excuse me, a 500 mile walking trail that would go from down on the Seward Peninsula and go all the way up to Fairbanks. And that somehow this Alaska Long Trail idea would become the new Appalachian Trail, right? That it would be the new thing where tourists would flock to this and somehow it would be a bolster to the economy and all these other things, which I'm not opposed to a long trail. Don't get me wrong. What I'm opposed to is using government funds to fund something that I think would be utilized by a very small number of people. They'll always tout the, you know, the economic benefits of this or that or the other thing. But we're talking about something that's, I mean, it's millions, millions of dollars. The, um, the, the last, last budget cycle had, the last budget cycle had um, $9.5 million is what was in the last budget cycle for the long trail. Now, luckily, most of that, uh, your most of that was not approved last year. The governor vetoed ten million of the fourteen, almost fifteen million dollars that they wanted to appropriate for the trail last year. Um, and they're but they're continuing to push it. They're still getting little projects. There's an article in the Alaska Beacon talking about the trail advocates gathered on Tuesday morning at Aklutna to. A celebrated legislative victory. Lawmakers approved a $234,000 in state funding to fix a 13-mile trail that runs along the lake there at Aklutna Lake. And the the fixes will help make the trails around Anchorage uh, more attractive to visitors and also uh, be able to hopefully fold it into and leverage it as part of the broader plan, which they used to call the Alaska Long Trail, but now has been called the Alaska Traverse that would have connected that 500-mile trail system from Fairbanks to the southern part of the Kenai Peninsula. 
Other projects include $1.1 million in rerouting a five-mile Indian Valley Trail, uh, which is part of the turning an arm to, to Arctic Valley, and then $100,000 on a study on ways to restore access to high alpine destination north of Eagle River called Ram Valley. Now, $100,000 for a study on ways to restore. And, I, and when you say restore access, that makes me wonder, was it is it physical damage? Or were there people that have private property that didn't want a trail going across their property? Is this a way to look at things like eminent domain um, and, and everything else? Uh, there was another thing an, among the projects that did win funding last year is a $300,000 study. Again, the Alaska study industry is in full force on how to create an eight-mile connection from Edmond Lake, a place in Chugiak, to the community of Palmer. Um, again, I'm not opposed to those things, but if you want those things, why don't you pass the hat and collect money instead of basically holding a gun to everybody's head through the force of government to do it? Well, because it benefits everyone. Well, I mean, in a, in a euphemistic way, sure, but is everyone going to use that? And should public funds be used? I mean, we're, again, millions of dollars. One of the comments in here also says, among the trail projects that were vetoed last year were those in Fairbanks and in the Matsu, uh, and that all governments, and uh, although the governments at the borough and the city level and numerous businesses supported the connected trails concept, there was pushback from certain other groups in Fairbanks and Matsu areas. So it's not, this is not like a unanimous, everybody's going to kumbaya and it's all good. There are people who are opposed to this. And, and partially, again, I'm not opposed to any trail. If the trail, if it's on public lands and you're not taking, if you're not using a takings or an, or eminent domain from some private owner, you know, or doing something like that, sure, build your trails, but you don't have to use government money to do it. That's my main beef with this whole thing. Cause it's not like, it's not like it's just a hundred thousand dollars for a big trail system and it's done. It is millions. It's, it's, you know, 14 million last year. They asked for 10 point something million this year. They're asking for millions and millions. And in fact, what was the, I'd have to go back and look at the original story, but I want to say that the original story, uh, that the cost of putting this trail together as they envisioned was in the two or $300 million range for a trail. That's a, that's just, I mean, that's insane. If people want a trail, put up or shut up, put their own money into it, get their volunteers in it, go out there and do the work yourself. I mean, that's, that's what, that's what used to happen before we all look to the easy teat of government to get that money out and fund our pet projects or our private passions. I mean, I admire all these people who are supporting these things, these trail advocates and everything else. That's great. Just, you know, I don't make you pay for my hobby of, you know, of uh, playing video games and building guns or of reading books or of, you know, I don't make you pay for those hobbies. Why should I pay for yours? That, I, I, that to me, that's the simplest example that I can come up with. Anyway, <clears throat> that's, um, that is, it's just, it's, I saw this article this morning and just, again, the blood vessel in my forehead started pulsing again. Because, again, here's another look at how we're going to get another several million dollars spent on a project like this. It's just, it's it's irritating. 
All right, Heath Smith is coming up. He's going to join us in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We're going to talk about the ballot initiative for term limits, which was just rejected by the lieutenant governor. We'll uh, be back right after this. You're home for Common Sense Radio, The Michael Duke Show. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break right now. My uh, Heath Smith, I believe, is on the phone. Let me make sure, see if I can hear him this time, uh, if I can. Heath, are you with me? Yes, Michael. How are you doing this morning? Good, my friend. Good. Thanks for calling in this morning and joining us. Um, we're just sorry I had to finish my rant there. I had to get, I had, was got a little rant, <laughs> got a little ranty there. And uh, it's so so frustrating in so many ways. Okay. Um, so we're going to, uh, we're going to, uh, uh, jump in with this here in just a minute. I'll put you on hold for a second while we're in the commercial break. I'm going to talk to the, uh, talk to the chat room, but you can still hear me. So we're going to jump into this with, uh, with, uh, Heath Smith here in just a hot second. Okay. Um, so yes, uh, blah, blah, blah. please consider having Vivek Ramase on the show. Uh, he's doing all kinds of shows and Zoom calls. I mean, I wouldn't say no. I interviewed Bill Weld uh, for the uh, Libertarian uh, uh, presidential race back in 2016, I think. Um, um, I'm sorry, I'm just going through here. We the people demand term limits, WTF. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So Donna says, we, the people demand term limits. What the, yeah, I know it's, it's crazy. Um, looking at Anchorage, it seemed they would have more pressing issues than a donut shop. You would think so. You would think that they would have some other things that they'd rather deal with. I mean, you saw the fact that the homeless people were slinging actual feces at the front of the KTUU offices the other day, because apparently the porta potties weren't being emptied. They were full of stuff and, and they were frustrated and blah, blah. I mean, they've got some serious issues with the whole, you know, they get the serious issues with the whole the homeless thing. I don't think, uh, um, you know, I don't think that that, uh, yeah, forget about Jason's donuts. Let's worry about the poo that's on the front steps. Um, <clears throat> um, <laughs> Harold, Harold says that the Alaska Long Trail, that that would be a huge draw for tourism all year. Yeah, a huge draw in the hundreds. I'm sure hundreds of people would want to come up and huge draw. So don't worry. We'll spend $300 million for a couple hundred people a year. Um, uh, okay. Then if the cruise lines want more excursions, they should build it themselves. Well, that's they. yes, they have. A lot of them have. Some have built them to sell. Some have purchased smaller businesses. And yet there's also dozens of smaller businesses that work with the cruise ships to put, you know, those excursion packages together. I mean, I I, I see that as a win-win. Um, that is a win-win. Um, I'm scrolling through the thing here. 
We need to build a railroad to the lower 48 to help with the transportation of goods. Ramas, Ramaswamy, I don't know. It's Vivek. Vivek R. Long trails equals hobo highways. Oh. Um, there are hundreds of miles of trails that don't get used now, said Sandy. I mean, yes, there are hundreds of miles of trails that don't get used now. I mean, do we need to spend hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, connecting all those trails for, again, the handful of people, uh, hundred, the hundreds that would come up for the green eco tour, 500 mile walking trick to, you know, again, I'm not, a, I'm not opposed to the trails. I'm just opposed to having government pay for everything. That's the problem. I wrap my wrap my brain around that. Um. Okay. Ship them south for the winter. What? Ship them south. Winter is coming. The homeless here are mostly non-residents. I would disagree with that. A lot of the homeless here are residents. A lot of the homeless here are born and raised in Alaska. So I I disagree with that. I think there sure there's some that are non-residents, but I don't think that that's the answer either. Interestingly enough, KTUU has found Houston as an example, which we talked about previously from that Reason article on homeless that was Houston was one of the cities that was getting it right. Um, anyway, interesting discussion. Uh, but we're going to jump into this with Heath Smith and start talking about uh, term limits right now. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Here we go. Public anima number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, enemy. Public enemy number one, which uh, makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the... Uh, Michael Duke show. <laughs> pain in the... What? Uh, all right. Uh, let's, uh, let's get back to it here. We're about to jump into it with Heath Smith, who is the... Uh, who is one of the sponsors... Uh, of the uh, term limit uh, uh, ballot measure, uh, and I want to we, we, I want to get the rundown here uh, of what's uh, what's happening here, what's going on. So I, we 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 talked, got him invited on the program, and now we're going to jump it with him, jump into it with him here uh, and discuss uh, right now. Look at that; it's simple, it's easy. Uh, Heath Smith joins us this morning uh, to talk about that uh, ballot proposition and more. Good morning, Heath. How are you? I'm doing great, Michael. Thanks for having me on. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, this is, uh, again, we've talked to Elijah. We've talked to, uh, uh, I think we've talked to you before about it as well. But this has been a, something that's a little bit near and dear to my heart here on uh uh, you know, on how we fix part of the problem here in the state of Alaska and term limits is the answer, I think, in for some of this, not all of it, but obviously for some of it. Um, but it's uh, it, it's it's frustrating. It was announced uh, this week that uh, it was denied by the lieutenant governor uh, because of the uh, because of the constitutional components of this. I had some commentary on it and you had some thoughts on my commentary. So I guess we'll just start here from the very beginning and uh, and give me the rundown. What exactly did the governor, did the lieutenant governor say to you guys? Uh, let's talk about it point by point and, and let's get started. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, this was born out of what Elijah and I found on the campaign trail that a lot of people had a great interest in seeing term limits 
and um and so elijah and i hooked up and trevor came on board and we wanted to find a way to act and uh you know we were seeking office so that we could act on the benefit of the people and so even though we weren't elected we were still willing to try and do that through this initiative and um you know we had we had a number of discussions with the division on what we needed to do and how to do it. And, um, and we thought that we had that clearly lined out. Now, uh, have we learned some things along the way? Sure. Uh, but the reality of it is, is, you know, what they, they determined as far as the signatures it had to have a certain thing on each page, not just on the packet, but on each page. So it disqualified some of those hundred signatures. So it didn't meet the mark there. Uh, so a technicality, I suppose, um, but I don't know how we had any misunderstanding in what they had told us. Um, secondly, uh, you know, the attorney general saying that it didn't meet the mark as far as the amount of legalese in uh, in the verbiage. Right. I, that's beyond me because we had I mean, we had a lawyer that helped craft that language. And so I'm unsure without any kind of clarification from the attorney general where it falls short of that. And, you know, I actually pressed for us to be more um, clear in the language so that it did not leave any vagueness or openness to the courts to interpretation, because this is what we found over time is that the courts love to have the latitude to interpret. And I didn't want to leave that kind of latitude for them. And um, so we were very specific in spots and maybe that was it. There wasn't enough legalese to create some open avenue for their interpretation. <laughs> not enough I, vagueness. I, I really have. There's not enough right. vagueness in this and bill. So, right. <laughs> and so, I, I mean, w- without some kind of direction from the attorney general or, um, or some other component of, of who makes that decision, um, you know, I, I don't know what more we could do there. Um, so we're going to have to look at that and shore that up. But regardless of whether we met the conditions of those two things, um, you know, they're resting their decision really on what they said in 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 the letter that it's clearly unconstitutional. There, there's no doubt before them that it's unconstitutional because of the findings of the court of the Alaska Supreme Court in that case. Um, you know, and I and the first thing I did, I mean, we never considered that it would be unconstitutional. I mean, we would figure that it is an inherent right of the people to speak and and express their will in relationship to um, those that they elect to power. Right. And um, so, no, we, we didn't do any homework on that because it didn't seem like um, there was anything to be found there. But guess what? <laughs> the courts have, um, you know, it says all political powers inherent in the people in Article 1, Section 2, but unless the courts deem otherwise. Right. And so... Uh, you know, we've had we've had our conversations and there's been a lot of talk about the power of the courts and um, and what they feel they can do. And I just I you know, when I look at Article one, Section two, I think that that sets the stage for the entirety of the rest of the Constitution. And so while in, you know, um, in Article two, Section two, under the qualifications, I look at that, and of course, I'm no lawyer, and I'm certainly no Supreme Court judge, but I mean, I see those as minimum qualifications. I don't see why the people could not um, add to that through statute right. um, in order to, you know, to maintain their power. And, 
as far as the people's power. Right. And so I don't, and, and you know, in those findings, they said that the qualifications that we would, that the people would have to amend the constitution in the qualification section. And interestingly enough, that's not where the term limits fall for the governor. It it's under the, the, the term and tenure. And so, um, so it's interesting that they would say it would have to be in the qualification section. Uh, because that's not where it is in, in that other part of the constitution for the governor. Right. Um, but, but when they say, when they say that we have to do a constitutional amendment, how, how powerful is that? I mean, how empowered are we to make that happen once every 10 years? And we ha- we can't do it on a single subject. It has to open the whole thing, which then of course, as we've seen over time, creates all this fear mongering that oh right well we just we just we've just gone through that right i mean we just went through this uh you know having a constitutional convention for the state and we saw the hundreds of thousands of dollars that were poured in by outside interests saying don't open up the constitution it's too scary you can't have this you can't have that uh because most people probably don't know maybe the listeners of this show probably know but most listeners don't know is that while we do have a ballot measure system in the state of alaska you cannot change or offer a constitutional amendment by ballot measure that has to come from the legislature which surprise surprise the legislature doesn't really seem interested in uh, they don't really seem interested in reducing their power to be able to reduce their their time in office, and that's a that's a real problem. Well, and there's no political will there, and it's only gotten worse in the sense that now, with the raises that the legislature has gotten, it's it's a clear career path. I mean, the amount of money that they make now. They don't have to do anything else if they don't want to. Sure. I mean, that can be their job. And so, and that's another impetus for me is that I'm like, look, I mean, if you're going to pay them that much, we need to make sure that we can maintain a citizen's legislature. And that's only going to be through term limits because they can make a career path out of this. Anyone that's aspiring to be a politician now in the state of Alaska on the state side can say, hey, I want to do that. I can make good money. And that's all I have to do. And uh, and I I don't think that that serves the best interests of the state or its or its residents. So the t- the ballot measure would have basically set into state statute a term limit uh, instead of the constitution. Now, were you aware of the Supreme Court decision in '94 or these other groups that had attempted to impose term limits in the past? No, we didn't. I mean, again, I mean, I don't know how what I know that it's come up because it's it's always been talk. I didn't know why it failed. We didn't look into that and that's on us. Um, but again, we never would consider, I mean, it wasn't a consideration of ours that it would be unconstitutional right? because that is counter to everything that we, you know, see as far as the, the empowerment of the people and for them to act in relationship to those that govern them. So, um, so that wasn't a consideration. Right. Well, and, and again, I guess my main question on, on this whole thing is, uh, if we did have a constitutional or excuse me, a statutory uh, limit, if a statutory limit had been available, I mean, how how uh, confident are you that our legislature wouldn't just ignore it, Heath? I mean, we've had a statutory we've had a statutory rule on the books put in by a citizen initiative since the mid 90s that they that there are the late 90s that there should be a um that there should be a 90 day session limit. 
and they've just completely and arbitrary. You know, we have a statutory, we have a statutory PFD law on the books that they're just ignoring. Uh, so, I mean, while I mean, again, I support the idea of term limits, but if we have to put it in statute and they have the ability to just ignore it, um, I, you know, I just I don't know how much teeth that has. Well, I guess my response to that would be that. Um, you know, they don't determine the qualifications, or, you know, who is qualified to run for office. That's done by the Division of Elections. And so when somebody files to run for office, um, there's a qualification period that they, so if it's in statute, they have to follow the law. Um, the legislature is not determining who is qualified, not qualified. So while that statute is in place, the division will make the qualification uh, decision, and then the election happens. Now, obviously, after two years of, a, of something being passed by initiative and enacted into law, the legislature can amend it, and they can repeal it. So, I mean, there's always that danger, and I call it a danger because they're acting contrary to the will of the people. Um, but, you know, at this point, what other recourse do we have other than, um, you know, the Constitutional Convention is clearly not a viable path. It's just not going to happen, I don't think. And so, and, and, and getting the legislature on board to doing something, um, you know, can it happen? I, well, right now, it seems like it's the only thing we, we can do is, is, is work through them. And to me, it's not like them enacting term limits as much as that they're enabling us, even though I think the, the, the Constitution already gives us that power, is enabling us as a people to set other qualifications right. and, or, or term limits through, through law. Right. And so because I don't, I don't think that they're going to set term limits, especially with the pay that it's been set at now. So, um, Heath Smith is our guest. Heath, can you stick with us into the next segment, or you got you have to go? I know you're you're trying to get stuff done today. Can you stick with us to talk about where we go from here? Sure. Okay. All right. Heath Smith is our guest. We're going to continue with him here in just a moment. Where does this leave us? Well, he just laid out one of the options: having to go to the legislature, hat in hand, and asking them to pass uh, a constitutional amendment to the ballot for the folk for the people to vote on. Um, I don't know what the likelihood of that is, but what are the other options? Heath Smith, sponsor of the Term Limits Ballot Measure, our guest. We'll continue in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right. Uh, in the break right now, Heath Smith, our guest. Let me see if there's any questions in the chat room um, uh, from the uh, from the from the people here. Um, Donna Ardwin says the Alaska Constitution does not prohibit term limits, which I mean, I would agree with that. Again, it would seem like you would be able to put that in statute, but that apparently has been a decided issue. With that 94, you know, precedence. No court likes to throw their precedent thing out the window. That's part of the problem. Um, 
Mike Blood, Mike says that it's uh, the establishment protecting the establishment. Um, let's see. Uh, if they're paying too much, they need to pay. If what is that? If they're pay, I'm sorry. Julie says if they're paying too much, then they need to pay us a full PFD. I, I mean, you know, look, this is a <laughs> Julie. I think that's a valid argument. I mean, when they jump their pay sixty seven percent, the tone deafness of those kind of decisions is absolutely uh, astonishing. Um. You know, well, abs- and the fact that they did that, they did that before they did anything else with the budget. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, why are you looking for out-of-state folks to solve our out of our in-state issues? I don't know what you're talking about there. I wasn't looking to anybody out-of-state to solve our in-state issues. Um, all right. Um, um, uh, oh, sponsor. I missed the... Wow, I got the grammar Nazi police here is in thing. I missed a P. It's a sponsor, not a sponsor. There you go. Thanks for catching it. Um, all right. Let's uh <clears throat> so we're gonna talk, we're gonna we're gonna uh you thought he was an out-of-state person. Well, it just shows how informed you are, Harold. Just shows how informed you are. Uh no, Heath Smith is from Kodiak, Elijah Verhagen's from the interior, and Trevor, um, I've forgotten Trevor's last name. Trevor Shaw is in Ketchikan. So three Alaskans decided to try and put this together and uh, and pull this out. So uh, for folks who didn't know, there have been various groups that have attempted to impose term limits uh, on state legislators and the members of Congress in the 90s, but that was ruled unconstitutional. In 94, the Alaska Supreme Court ruled that because the Alaska Constitution sets the qualifications for legislative office and because the Constitution does not set term limits for legislators, the only way the term limits might be imposed would be a constitutional amendment. But again, it doesn't it, – it, sure, it does not set term limits, but it does not restrict term limits either. It doesn't specifically – or explicitly say you can't have term limits. I think, is that what you were hanging your hat on, Heath, on this whole deal? Well, yeah. I mean, they're interpreting it through the fact that it doesn't say it. But I think clearly, if you look at Title 29 for local government, you look at what we've done in relationship to the governor. I mean, term limits is not something that is that is unacceptable before the Alaskan people. Um, you know, and so while it's not, and, and like I said, I think the qualifications are the minimum. That the, that, the, that the Constitution sets forward, but it certainly doesn't disqualify the people from adding to that through statutory uh, measures. And so, I, you know, just because it doesn't say it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean it's saying that we can't do it. Right. You mentioned the governor's term limit. Is that, is that statutory? That's in the Constitution as well, right, in a separate section? Yeah, that's constitutional. And that's, yeah. and that's relatively common among all states. I, again, I mean, I, I just don't see as how this is such a black and white interpretation on this, but you know how courts are. Once they've set a precedent, they don't want to, you know, they're they're very reticent to overturn those things. Um, and, uh, and, you know, again, hand, tying the hands of the people on the things like this, this is what bothers me is tying the hands of the people. Uh, I would say... I mean, if I was if I was writing a if I was king for a day and was writing things, I would say, why not allow the people to modify their constitution through ballot initiative? Because it's not like, I mean, because all it would do is put it on the ballot, right? 
the initiative basically right. would just put it on the ballot. You have a constitutional amendment. Here's what we're proposing. Uh, would you like to see this on the ballot? Yes or no. That's what the ballot measure would be. And then the question itself would then go to the people as a whole in the next elections. I just don't see why that would be a big thing um, other than, you know, because we have so much power that's being concentrated right now in the legislature. Um, and it is, as you said, there's no political will. I mean, they, you, ne- the lunatics in the asylum are never going to hand the keys back to Nurse Ratchet, right? They're never going to do that. If they've got the keys to the kingdom, why would they? Why would they want to give up any of that power? Um, and that's what we're facing right now. Is we're facing a bunch of people who've got all the power and they have no interest whatsoever in move in changing that power or giving that power back at all. So uh, I. And there's a lot more money on the table now, too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think your point about having, you know, that the that the citizen legislature is is probably not long for this world is probably true. I mean, we've got members of the legislature that have been there. I mean, Scott Kawasaki joined the legislature at what, 24 years old? And he's going to I mean, he'll he's been there for 20 years. It's you know, it's it's been a career, essentially. All right. We're going to jump back into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke show. Okay, we're continuing now. Uh, we're talking with uh, Heath Smith uh, from, I said Kodiak, I'm sorry, Heath, it's from, from Homer. Heath Smith is from Homer. Uh, you know, you talk 10 hours a week live on the radio, you're bound to make some mistakes, absolutely. Uh, he is one of three co-sponsors of a, uh, of a ballot measure that would have instituted statutory term limits. Elijah Verhagen from up in the interior, Nenana, Trevor Shaw of Ketchikan, and Heath Smith from Homer were all sponsors. That uh, ballot uh, proposition was rejected by the lieutenant governor, citing uh, the uh, unconstitutional nature of it, basically saying the term limits could not be set in statute. They had to be set in the Constitution, um, which has kind of put us in a conundrum here because... There's only two ways to modify the Constitution, as Heath was just saying. One was the every 10-year option to open up the entire Constitution to be modified through a constitutional convention. We saw how well that went here in this last election cycle, with tons of outside money being poured in trying to prevent it uh, and a lot of fear-mongering going on. The second way is to get the legislature to put a ballot uh, to put a constitutional amendment uh, up uh, on the ballot, they have to vote it, they have to put it through the process, and they would have to put it on the ballot for the people to sign. Again, no political will uh, to do that. And since there is a Supreme Court, Alaska Supreme Court decision back in 1994 that said that the only way that term limits would be imposed is through a constitutional amendment, that leaves you with very few options, Heath. So I guess my question is, and you, you're quoted in the article in the Alaska Beacon saying that uh, you guys are considering whether to challenge the decision in court. So, I mean, is that really the only option left? What what are what are the options left to us here to try and and get term limits on the books here in the state of Alaska? Well, I think that 
yes. I mean, we're talking with some lawyers just to put some eyes on possible avenues to challenge um, that decision. Um, so, I mean, we'll see what comes of that. It's still early and it's only been a little while. I think that there's going to have to be some in-depth, um, you know, study in order to see what might be able to be um, plausible there. Uh, because, you know, for us, I mean, again, going back to Article 1, Section 2, I, I, I don't know how you discount that, right? Uh, but the other, the other thing is, is that we get enough people involved to, uh, to engage with our legislators to sponsor and support some sort of a, an amendment to the Constitution that would provide the people a pathway to even by law through statute do that. And I mean, you know, if you look at an election in terms under the legislature in Article Two, I mean, they could have in there just a simple phrase, and they have it throughout the Constitution, um, or as set forth by law. And so th there is an avenue that it could say it outright that would give us the ability through law to establish further qualifications or limits within. Um, you know, outside of the Constitution itself. And so, you know, they don't have to say, okay, well, we're going to put term limits in the Constitution. And I think that that would be an ironclad way to do it, and I would prefer it. But I see that as a much more difficult path um, in order to get them on board to do that. But if they could bring forward, a, you know, a uh, an amendment before the people that would give the people the power um, through just saying, or as set forth by law, or something in that in in that in that framework, then I think that that could be a plausible way forward. But um, I would rather find I would love for this to get reversed within the courts, so that um, you know they're not deciding that somehow you know eviscerating you know Article One, Section Two, <laughs> right. but it says is inherent in the people that it originates with the people and it's founded upon their will only. That means that the courts don't get that benefit. They're not the ones that are empowered. It's not up to their will. It's up to the people. And so I really hope that, I mean, we need to make sure that we, I mean, people should be upset about this, quite honestly. And, um, and so I would hope that we would get enough people at least interested to appeal to their legislators to support some measure that would at least return the power to us or for them to enact the term limits themselves. And we know that that's probably not going to happen on that end. But, right. Um, so that, you know, for me, it's like, I mean, what, are, what else are our options? I mean, the other alternative is give up. And I don't think that that serves anyone, anyone very well. And I, and that's exactly the message that, you know, representative Vance ended on in her segment was like, don't give up. We cannot surrender to either the courts or those long-term legislators that um, are pulling all the strings, as you said, because we just have a handful of senators that are basically determining all outcomes. Right. And I mean, you know, Lyman Hoffman's been there for over 30 years. You know, Bert Stedman is pushing 20. Stevens has been there at least 24. Uh, Click Bishop. I mean, those four right there have a tremendous amount of um, control over what comes out of our legislative sessions. And um, and we saw what they pulled at the end of the last session. Right. And they basically stu stuffed the house in the closet and said, 
you know, you yeah. play by our rules or no rules at all. Well, we have a concentration of power in the hands of people who have been there for decades. Um, and they're right. the ones that have the institutional knowledge and they know how to play the game. And they are basically, you have a handful of people calling the shots. You know, you've got a legislature of 60 people with really only four or five people actually pulling all the levers of power and, and having the control. And I don't think that was what the founders or the framers intended uh, when that uh, right. when that came about. Um, <clears throat> so I guess my question is, are you guys, you know, because, again, quoted in saying you're thinking about challenging it in court because you don't have a lot of options here. Is that something you guys right. are considering or is that, I mean, again, that's a tough fight. Well, once once precedent is set, that's a tough fight to to kind of lay out there. But what, what are your thoughts? Well, again, I mean, we're exploring the option. So, you know, depending on how viable that is and then um, what the cost would be, it's all going to kind of set the table on what, what we may do going forward. But right now we're getting some legal analysis on what, you know, our viable pathways are forward in the courts. Um, we're, we haven't discounted it at this point, but we certainly want to look at it. Right. Cause I, you know, as I've said over and over again, article one, section two, I don't know how you somehow displace that out of the consideration of everything that falls under it within the constitution. Yeah. No, it's it's a frustrating process and I think if we were going to if we were going to lay Vegas odds on whether or not the legislature would be willing to put a ballot measure in even with the mild language that you said, you know, talking about or as allowed by law uh, uh or whatever the verbiage was. I mean, I just don't see the powers that be allowing that to go anywhere in the even if even if the rank and file were part of it. I don't see the rest of them saying, yeah, this is a great idea. Well, and, and I agree. And that's why, um, you know, this is limited power that we've been given. And and it and the Constitution, Constitution says all power. So, I, you know, it's, it's a quandary. It's a conundrum. It's a tough spot to be. But we're not willing to give up at this point. Right. And um, so until we exhaust all avenues, I don't think that um, we're going to rest on this. And I think that the people should let their legislators know that we need to have the power to go to the polls and make decisions on um, on the things that are important to our state. And that can't be even limited by the Constitution. What um, I guess at this point, Heath, as we wrap up uh, for the show for today, what what can people do to help at this point? I mean, you're not officially a ballot measure because you've been rejected. So there's a limited amount of things that people can do as far as, you know, donating money or anything like what, what should we as, as citizens, as listeners hearing what you're saying right now, what should we be doing? What can we do to try and help this situation? Well, people have to decide um, for themselves, honestly, you know, how important this is to them. I mean, we've seen the outcomes over time, and I think that, you know, the people that have been in office the longest are the ones that are standing in the way of real progress in this state. And if we allow them to continue to stay in power and don't have a way to check that, then, um, then you know, we're making our own bed and we're going to have to sleep in that as uncomfortable as it may be. So, you know, the people that have been elected, we need to... Um, appeal to 
to make whatever amendment that allows us to have the power to limit the power of our elected officials. And so, you know, people need to come together and decide that they're, that this is an important issue. And then, um, you know, at this point, the only avenue we have as individuals is to go to our legislators. And if they have enough people pestering them over and over again and doing it reasonably and making a good case, then, I, you know, if they turn that down, then that becomes, I mean, it, it becomes very apparent that they're not listening to the constituents and what they think is in the best uh, interest of the people of Alaska. So talk to your legislators. Yeah. I mean, we've got to start putting the feet, the, the fire to their feet, right? Yeah, I guess I would say probably one of the things that uh, I guess you and, and Elijah and Trevor could do, I mean, if we had some example language or something that could be done for a constitutional amendment that we could then take to our legislators uh, en masse and enforce, I mean, I would support that. I would I would include that to my legislators and see if we could get something like that put forward where maybe from somebody from both sides of the of the of the chambers could put in matching bills to do something like that. But maybe we need some framework. You guys have done the groundwork. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe a press release or an email or something that has all the information in it. I, I just don't know. Because, again, I think the chances of this yeah. actually going forward are some are pretty, pretty slim at this point. But, you know, I appreciate the work that you guys have been doing. And the show is always open to you once you guys decide what you're going to do. Um, you know, you're always welcome to come back on and discuss it with us. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Okay. Well, great. And I think, and one thing that I have interest in now, right now, is to go back in the 16 other states that have done this to see if they had to actually do a constitutional amendment in order to do it. Um, I don't know that, but I'm going to find out. And um, because that will be a point of interest. There you go. All right. Well, Heath, thank you so much. Uh, keep us informed. We appreciate you being part of it. Folks, we're out of, uh, out of time for today. We will see you tomorrow. Be kind, love one another. Heath Smith, our guest here on the program. Heath, thank you so much. Appreciate it, my friend. Talk to you again soon, okay? Absolutely. Thanks, Michael. Have a good day. You bet. All right, folks, we are out of time. We got more coming up uh, tomorrow for the Michael Duke Show. I don't know what we're going to do yet, but I got something. Time to go grab some beard curler and head on out to the rest of the day. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for being part of it. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for uh, spending a little bit of your time here in this morning. We really appreciate it. We love it. We will see you guys tomorrow, bright and early, 6.05 a.m. Be here. Be square. Be, be there or be square. There you go. We'll see you, my friends. Have a good day.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.